Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Good morning, Broncos fans. This is Kevin Gillikin. You're listening to the Broncos and Bratwurst podcasts, talking all things Denver Broncos and why we are so upset with them right now and feel like we just want to go home, lay in bed, and cry. That also might be because my computer just deleted the 45-minute podcast I had recorded. It is gone it no longer exists, and it's just another reason why I wish this Monday would just end already. It was a really good podcast, too. I, I firmly believe it might have been my best podcast I've ever done, and now it is gone. The good thing is that it's deleted. There, There's probably always a silver lining, and the silver lining is it was a very emotionally charged podcast, and it was an overall negative podcast. I let out my feelings, my frustrations. And though I don't regret that and I would have totally run with it, it's probably better to take a step back a little bit after my first deleted podcast and think, okay, you know, what is the practical approach? How should we look at this loss that was truly heartbreaking, but also a game that the Broncos should have lost? So they lost it. They should have lost it. They almost won it. It was heartbreaking. But honestly, they didn't deserve the heartbreak they should have just lost because it was a bad game. They played poorly against a team that's not that good against a bad quarterback. And what can be said? I mean, the Broncos season is over. Now, I I think anyone who knows this show and listens to this show knows that I didn't think that the season was going to be a successful one anyway, at least not in terms of playoffs, not in terms of lots of wins. The team is just not there yet. They have a rookie head coach. They've got Joe Flacco at quarterback, and they've got just question marks all over the freaking roster. Now, that being said, there are a lot of things that disappointed me coming out of this game, and of course they did. Now, if they'd ended up winning, we would have forgotten about most of them, except for 
Garrett Bowles because that's impossible to forget a guy who should have had probably about 10 holding calls and was at least um, his name was called, I believe, five times last night, which is truly an unbelievable feat and an impressive one at that. Now, yes, he was going up against Khalil Mack, who is a freak of nature and showed last night, at least in one game, that he was a much better player at the moment than Von Miller, who completely disappeared. Um, but still, Garrett Bowles deserves a shout out for being truly, truly a terrible left tackle. Now, other than that, you know, there were some good signs, of course. I don't want this to be a purely negative podcast. There were good things. There are some good things to be happy about with this team. Now, that goes with the direction, too. And I'm going to talk about the direction of this team in the second segment and talk about where they're headed and, and if I like it or don't like it. And, you know, there are positive and ne- negative points for, for both, for the for the present, for the future. And that means the same with the past. That's how teams work. Of course, there are good and bad things. Um and I, I would say right off the bat, one good thing is that the Broncos have a quarterback who is still healthy. Um, Big Ben uh, is out for the season with elbow surgery. As soon as I saw that, I thought, because I saw him, you know, go off the field with a non-contact elbow injury, you just know you're in trouble. You know you're going to be at least likely going to have surgery. So unfortunate for, for him, unfortunate for Pittsburgh, and unfortunate for the Broncos because just another reason why Denver could have had a chance to do something this year and to be something in an AFC conference that only has really two good teams. Now, they're really good teams because, you know, KC and New England are teams that Denver is not going to beat in a million years probably, but at least the Broncos could have had a chance to make the playoffs, but now they are 0-2. Now, Drew Brees also out eight weeks, so the Broncos, it could have been worse. They could have lost... And then they could have lost their quarterback. Now, you know, I don't think Joe Flacco is all that good, but um, our backup quarterback, honestly, I don't even remember his name. Something Anderson, um, some guy who who really is nobody and and probably won't be. He's kind of a he's a camp body, as they would say, a guy who will fill a roster, but you really, really hope he will never have to play a snap. Obviously, part of that is because Drew Locke is hurt, etc., etc., etc. Now, what do I think of the game? I thought it was ugly. I mean, I thought it was really ugly, fugly even. I mean, it was nasty to watch. It was boring. It was it was a it was a horse turd of a football game, and it was exactly what I expected. Go read the Mile High Report uh, predictions of the game. Um, my 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 prediction was, or it started with saying that if I had a dog that was as ugly as these two offenses. I'd shave its butt and teach it to walk backwards. Yes, that is my reference to one of the all-time great movies, The Sandlot. Um, baseball movie, but still, hey, it's a sports movie. It counts. Um, yeah, it was what I expected. The, the two offenses were terrible. You know, the the quarterbacks made a few nice throws. Flacco made a couple nice throws. But in the end, neither team could score, and it became a grinded-out defensive performance until the fourth quarter, or really the end of the fourth quarter, where it just went bonkers crazy the referees totally blew the game I'm not even that mad at the referees I I mean that's don't don't take that wrong I'm really mad at the referees but not because I think they they threw the game I don't think they're cheating I don't think they're giving it to the Broncos I just think they suck at their job I I think they're bad at their job and I I think they shouldn't have their job I mean when, when you call those those three different plays two of them on Chicago they called two bad 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 plays against Chicago one against Denver 
and they're, that's unacceptable. It's, it's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I mean, are are you are these little little you know five year old kids out there playing? No, these are these are adult men who signed up to get binged around. Unbelievable. I mean, oh, it's, it's brutal to watch. This is becoming a sport. I, I'd almost rather watch badminton sometimes than watch this NFL. It's so ugly. I mean, and it's not just the Broncos. You're watching Red Zone and and, and the teams. Ah, just what an ugly week of football. I mean, week one was better. At least some teams could throw the ball. Now, now you have quarterbacks getting injured. You have backups and third stringers playing quarterback. You have referees throwing the flag every other play. It's just, it's ugly. I, I really hope it improves through the year. I love football, obviously, but man, oh man, it's frustrating. And then you go and lose a game like that in a game that you almost grabbed out of the jaws of defeat and you almost snatched that victory props to Joe Flacco and Emmanuel Sanders and Cortland Sutton props to the Broncos they marched back they had a chance they should have won they should have won but you know what your star players the players that should be the guys that get you off that field Chris Harris Jr. and Von Miller could not make a play Von Miller has been a ghost Chris Harris Jr. he's been good but you know what he gave up the big play now sure yeah Trubisky had time to throw it's this bitch Trubisky this guy can't, he's, he's, he's worse than some college quarterbacks right now. Give me a break. How do you let that happen? Was it fourth and 15? Yeah, sure. Whatever. The, the refs let them take a timeout with 0.2 seconds on the clock. I don't even care. The Broncos let it happen. Partly because bad play calling, partly because of bad performance, mostly because of bad performance. Their defense has not shown up. Now, yeah, I'm going to hear plenty of people, oh, yeah, well, Trubisky threw for 120 yards. You know what he did also? He won the game. You know what he did? He, he made the one throw that mattered. And they ran practically at will against the Broncos. What did they average? Was it like 6.5 yards per carry? It's, it's absurd. This is not a great defense. This is a team that's playing at home. This is their this this is their first home game of the year. They're supposed to be pumped up. They're supposed to be charged, electric. You've got two great pass rushers, and you bring out some crap performance like that. It's totally unacceptable. And some guys showed up. Yeah, sure. You know, Derek Wolf made some nice plays. You know, he also made some bonehead plays. You know, the fact that this is a team, a defense. That seems to look at Todd Davis as as the savior, the guy that can just come back and and save this defense and turn things around. Todd Davis, this ain't no Luke Kuechly, guys. This is Todd Davis, and he's the guy we're all banking our hopes on. Are you kidding me? This is not a good team. The defense is definitely worse than I expected. The pass rush is million miles worse than I expected, but the team is what I thought they would be and worse, but that they're playing with a rookie coach, a bad quarterback, no depth. The thing that really bothers me, really bothers me. And this is my opinion. This is what I saw. I don't see fire out there on defense, especially I don't, I don't see Guys riled up and, and ready to pop somebody. I, I truly saw guys that looked afraid to tackle. I know I'm going to get crap for that. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I'm not even calling out anyone individually. I'm not saying anyone's weak. I'm not saying anyone's soft. But my eye test, there were several plays where I really thought guys were backing off. 
Tell me I'm wrong. That's what that's what I saw. This was when I was watching it live. I saw guys who didn't want to get in there and get dirty. And I mean, you look at Fangio's defenses that are supposed to be these hard-nosed tackling machines, and, and I have not seen it. Why on earth is Isaac Yadam out there? Put in someone, Bosby or whoever. You just made a trade with a with a New England cornerback. Put him in. He can't be worse. Teams are, are looking at Yadam like licking their lips. Oh, yeah, I got this guy. First down galore. Touchdown galore. Here we go. When Trubisky can carve up your cornerback, then, well, yeah, you got a cornerback problem. Garrett Bowles, what, what is he still doing in the game? I don't even care if you don't have depth. I mean, I keep hearing this excuse, well, who are you going to play? Well, why is that a problem? Why has Bowles been given the keys to, the, to this Broncos kingdom? He's been given a chance over and over and over, even though he's never been a good player. The guy is not a smart player. Eventually, you look at someone and say, hey, yeah, he's probably not going to learn. You know, in your first season, okay, yeah, there's a learning curve. That's fine. He makes mistakes. He grabs guys. Okay, let's see if he can fix it. Second year, same problem. Okay, well, let's bring in a great offensive line coach. Third year, he's worse. The guy is worse. And then he goes in in, in, in after the game and he's like, oh, I don't think I actually have a problem. What the? Man. You don't think you have a problem? Dude, you just held a guy like 10 times in a game, got called four times for it. Shut up. I don't care if you feel... What what is this with people all coming on there and defending him? Oh, people don't know how players... This is their job. They get paid millions of dollars to be under scrutiny. That's the other part of it. One of the reasons they get paid a lot of money, there's really three reasons. One reason is because they're the best at something in the world. They can do things that no one else can do. Number two, it's really hard on your body, and you're going to hurt for the rest of your life. Number three, because you are under scrutiny. People will hate you. People will boo you. People will look at you on the street and not like you. That is part of why you get paid the money. Deal with it. I don't get the media all defending these guys like, oh, don't be so harsh. You don't know what they're going through. He's a bad player. And he's on my team. He's costing my team wins. Now, I'm not accusing him of being a bad person. I don't know him personally. I wish him the best as a man. I hope he has a good family. I hope he has a good life. I hope he's not a Denver Bronco next week. Good grief. What has this team become? What have we become? It's almost guaranteed that the Broncos are going to have their third straight losing season. Almost guaranteed. The Broncos have the second hardest schedule in the NFL. And you know what? You know the two easiest games on the schedule? Week one against the Oakland Raiders. Week two against the Chicago Bears. You know who's next? Green Bay. Then Jacksonville. L.A. Chargers. And so on. And so on. The Chargers twice. The Kansas City Chiefs twice. Detroit. Minnesota. Packers. The Broncos could go... 3-13. Easy. I mean, it's not even a question. I mean, I really thought if they went 2-0, okay, 
they could win nine games. Like that was the max if they start off two and zero. If they went one and one, okay, seven wins. They lost the two games, and one of them you had to have. You had to have it, and they weren't good enough. They weren't good enough at home against a team that's not that good, an offense that's really not that good. They, yeah, the Bears have a good defense. They do. And actually, it makes me feel a little bit better about the Broncos' offense. You had to, ha- you had to have the win. And so now the season's done. You're going to have a losing season. What are the bright spots? What do we look at this team in like? Now, yes, there are some. Emmanuel Sanders, Cortland Sutton, totally hats off. Totally. They balled, totally balled out. And I've been harsh, excuse me, I've been harsh on the wide receivers. They looked good. Joe Flacco looked good. I've been harsh on him. I'm going to be harsher still, but he looked good. He made some good throws. He also made some bad throws. That interception was a bad throw in the red zone, which is unacceptable. But he he gave the team a chance to win, and that's what you need. That's what you need in a veteran quarterback. So this is not on Joe Flacco for me. It's not. The guy did everything he needed to to give the team a chance. Who else looked good? That's it. I mean, Justin Simmons made a couple nice plays, and he got beat. That's why he had to make a couple nice plays. Sure, he's athletic, but uh, yeah, okay. Chris Harris Jr. made a couple nice plays and then got beat on the game winner. Vaughn Miller looks like trash. The defensive line doesn't get any pressure, and they weren't good against the run. What did the defense do well? It was a bad game. They deserved to lose. And they better go look at themselves in the mirror and find some kind of passion, something that will make them realize, hey, we've got to do something or we're all gone. This culture has to change now. Now. Dick Fangio has got to change the culture now or the team's going to lose again and we're going to lose all of our veteran stars. And as we know, our beloved GM, John Elway, will never rebuild, which means we're in for one heck of a bad few years. More of that up next. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. You see, even after having extra time and re-recording, I still, I can't, I can't get positive about this. I can't get optimistic. And I know that some of people out there, and, and I know Laurie from MHR is, is saying, you know, we need to chill a little bit. But 
and that's okay. I get it, and, and it's probably true, but I, I can't handle losing. I can't handle this franchise being bad. And it's a, such a hard schedule this year. It's so hard. They had to win one of these two games, and they didn't. And it means they're going to have a losing season, unless some miracle happens, and I don't see it. Which means this team is heading in a downward trajectory again this year. And, and, and what's going to change? I'm, I'm so afraid of the future with this team. There are some good pieces. Corlin Sutton, Lindsey, Freeman, Reisner. There's some good pieces. But a lot of these veteran guys are leaving. They're done. Harris Jr., Sanders, Wolf probably, Shelby Harris. These guys are not going to be on this team much longer, most likely. Maybe one or two of them, possibly. The other guys are probably gone. Sanders and Harris, I I would be shocked if they're with this team next year. And the issue is that John Elway... Brought in Joe Flacco, who performed well, who's been decent. He brought in Joe Flacco to compete now. John Elway saw this as a team that with Joe Flacco could be competitive, could be a good team. Maybe he even thought a great team. And it is truly a decision that could haunt this team for the next few years. Now, it could turn around. If John Elway sees, okay, this is not a good team and there's no reason to run with Joe Flacco. So we got to put in the young kid at week eight. Got to see what Locke's got. Then we're good. That That's okay. It's okay if they're not great this year. They were a year off anyway. I can handle that. But we, as we know Elway, do we really see that? He's said many times he does not rebuild. What does that mean? That means... He's going to try to, to put together a winning team every year. Cool. That that sounds great. That's a great audio clip. Sounds good to your bosses, you know. The Bolins are like, cool, Elway wants to win. It's not that simple. There, there are certain ways in the NFL that are successful. Some ways, some strategies that work. They've been proven over and over. Look at New England. They've got a great quarterback. Yeah, that was a bit of luck. Sure. But they've got a great head coach, and they've got a good team around them. They could go 16-0 this year. Easy. I, I, truly, I, I think they go 16-0. They're that good. And they're always that good. But look at L.A. They're the other example. They just played New England. Yeah, they got whooped in the Super Bowl, but they played them in the Super Bowl. They've got a young quarterback who's cheap, or was cheap. Okay, they just paid him, which I think was a big mistake. But what that will, in a couple of years, I think L.A. is going to really rue that 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 call that contract now maybe jared goff becomes a hall of fame caliber quarterback and if he does then i'll eat my words but if he doesn't it's a bad decision because the worst possible choice which i say over and over on this this show is to pay an underwhelming quarterback a lot of money and i get it flacco's not he's not in the top 10 or something in pay but still what what do you gain from a mediocre veteran quarterback? Nothing. Unless your team is great. If your team is great around him, then yes, sure, you can win. Look at Baltimore in, what, 2001, whenever that was. But that's only if you have a great team, a great defense, a great core surrounding an okay quarterback. It rarely 
rarely happens. Do we really want to bet on that? Did, did, did John Elway really think this team was great? Joe, Fla- Joe Flacco would just be the perfect piece to fit the puzzle. He must have, right? Otherwise, he wouldn't have done it. Which means either the Broncos are really unlucky or John Elway is really bad at determining what his talent level is on his team. And that really seems clear to me. Elway doesn't have a realistic view of his team, of his talent. He's going to lose these veteran guys. He banked everything on this year. He banked on winning this year. What's Joe Flacco? Sanders is gone. Harris Jr. is gone. Shelby Harris, gone. Wolf, gone. Or at least most of them. Who are you bringing in to, to replace them? you got to have a great team around Joe Flacco to win. No one is going to disagree with that. No one. This team is so far away from being a great team, it, it kills me. They're weak at linebacker. They're okay at cornerback. They're okay at safety. Their defensive line has not looked good. Their offensive line is trash. Their wide receivers are not deep. The tight end is young. The running backs are the one position on this team that I really like. That's one. Pass rushers, okay, that's not true. The pass rushers, too. Even though they've been bad, I love the pass rushers. They, they should get over whatever the heck is wrong with them. They've looked terrible, but I'm, I'm not giving up on Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. Not, not at all. So those two positions. This is not a great team. There's so, and I said that at the beginning of the year, there's, there's so little greatness. There are not many players or positions on the team that just blow you away. And you're only going to win with that kind of a team with a Hall of Fame quarterback. If they had Peyton Manning in his prime, yeah, sure. You could win with, with, with me coming in there. I mean, that's barely an exaggeration. But Joe Flacco's not that. Joe Flacco's been a bottom five quarterback for the last five years. Look it up. The problem with Joe Flacco, and I think this is going to be a problem with John Elway's decisions this year, is that he looks just good enough to not be bad, and he's just bad enough to lose. This game was not on Joe Flacco. But did he really deserve to win? I mean, yeah, he had the one nice drive, true. But the Broncos have scored one touchdown in two games, guys. Flacco is like, he got one touchdown and interception and a couple field goals in the red zone. That's not good enough. They've scored 16 points or averaged 16 points per game. That's like, I just saw, uh, who was it? I think it was one of the, the Mile High Report guys, either Jeff or, or Joe, I think. I think it was Jeff who said that they um, their average score right now, if it continues, would have been the 31st ranked in the NFL last year. So they would have been one of the worst offenses. And it's exactly what I thought was going to happen. Where Where is the explosion in, in, in production on this team on offense? I thought the only way, and, and I did, and, and, and let, me, let me eat crow. I did get optimistic by the end of spring, uh, spring training, of preseason, because I thought that Joe Flacco, the Scangarello offense, and Noah Fant, plus Sanders and Sutton, could be, could be good. I thought, I thought that actually they could put it together. But the problem really has been the offensive line. You just doesn't give them time to do it, really. So you get a bad offensive line in a in an okay offense, it ends up being a bad offense. And, and the problem I see in the future, I, I again I don't care about this year. I really don't. 
This year was never going to be a winning year. Now, it hurts every time they lose. I hate to have a losing season. Of course I do. I'm a fan. I don't want them to lose. This is my team. I, I get upset about it. I overreact about it. I'm sure people are shaking their heads. Yeah, Kevin, you're overreacting. Yeah, I am. <laughs> because it sucked. People act like, yeah, the Broncos should have won because of the ref. Did you watch that game? They were so bad. I mean, name one. I mean, again, Sanders and Sutton and Flacco to an extent. But name one other positive. Maybe Freeman, I guess. Was there a positive on the defense? I didn't see it. I didn't see it. So no, I'm not happy about it. And I'm not happy about the future. They brought in a Band-Aid quarterback to cover up like a cannonball wound. <laughs> I don't know if anyone knows Brian Reagan, but he's got a great, a great skit on that. He's got a cannonball hole straight through his chest, and the Broncos are like, let's put a little baby Band-Aid on that named Joe Flacco. No. <laughs> I mean, you got to go, when you got a cannonball wound in your talent, you got to just get a new body, you know? You got to replace it. You got to rebuild. John Elway is so wrong about never rebuilding. Now, I'm not saying you have to tank. I'm not saying you have to go full Miami Dolphins, but you got to rebuild. You got to, you, you have to, you know, trade away some veteran talent. You have to admit this year, we're not going to be good. So we're going to build for next year. We're going to have a couple good drafts. We're going to have a couple great draft picks. And they've had some decent drafts. They're still a year or two away, hopefully. Now, the problem is when you're at this point in a, whatever they're doing, a plan, and you're about to lose your veteran players, your veteran talent, your guys who are going to give you the best chance to win now and no chance to win in the future, you have to win now. You have to, you have to do everything you can to win now. Or you, you trade some of them and build for the future. You say, okay, who are my pieces I want to build around and who are the guys I want to trade while they have, you know, they're, they have value. They're guys I can get someone for. Since I know I'm not going to win this year, we're going to lose them next year anyway to free agency. And you get rid of them, you trade them, you get a little bit in return, and you keep on building. And the biggest thing is you have to luck out with a quarterback. Joe Flacco is not, you're not going to luck out with Joe Flacco. What, what is Elway thinking he's going to do? I just don't, I don't get the Joe Flacco thing. I mean, if you want a, a, a better quarterback than Case Keenum, yeah, okay, boom, got it. He is better than Case Keenum. But that's it. He, he's not a great quarterback. He never will be. He's not young. He's not going to get better. You really think the Broncos organization and depth is better than the Baltimore Ravens? You really think Vic Fangio is ever going to be better than John Harbaugh, who's won a Super Bowl? No. Not anytime soon. They got to prove a lot. And Joe Flacco couldn't win in Baltimore. Not for the last five years. And John Elway, he, he seems to be seriously flawed. And I've been a big-time John Elway supporter on this show. Everyone knows that. I love John Elway. John Elway is a football hero of mine. And I'm sure most people in Denver, of course he is. He won two Super Bowls as a player and one as a GM. He brought us... Peyton Manning. He brought us five years of glory. And I will forever be thankful for that. I don't care if people say it was, oh, it was Peyton Manning. Dude, he, he, he won a Super Bowl with a great defense around a terrible Peyton Manning. Give the guy some credit. 
He put together great teams. He put together one of the greatest offenses ever. And then two years later, one of the greatest defenses of all time. He deserves that credit. He deserves to be praised and lauded. And he always will. That can never be taken from him. Ever. It's in the history books. People will look at that 2013 offense forever and say that was one of the best offenses of all time. They'll look at the 2015 year and say, wow, what a team. That no-fly zone. Watch that that AFC Championship game where they beat the Patriots and hit Tom Brady, I think, 23 times. That will never go away. Elway will always have that. But you know what? That changes. It's gone. It's done. He has to change. I look at Elway as being a guy, he's like... He's like a coach like Vance Joseph. You want a coach like Bill Belichick. When, if you start a game behind, the other team scores a touchdown. You gotta, you have to change your scheme, right? You have to say what's going wrong. You have to act differently. You have to coach differently. Behave differently. If you go up a touchdown. You play differently. You you attack the quarterback more. You run out the clock. Whatever it is. That's just the nature of things. Or it should be. Not all coaches understand that. You have to be able to adapt. The best coaches adapt. They say, this is or is not working. And so I'm going to run in a different direction or keep on running how we're running. Bill Palachuk's done it for 20 odd years. And he's the greatest ever. I look at John Elway as a guy who is a great GM when he's ahead 7-0. Peyton Manning landed in his lap. Just that's how it happened. He did a good job. He got him, and he deserves the credit forever. Again, I can't take that from him. I don't want to. When he had Peyton Manning, he put together all-time great teams. And then he lost Peyton Manning. It was practically like the game... They won a game, and then they went into the next one, and they got down 10 nothing. And John Elway never stopped. He, he never changed his, his strategy. He kept GMing like he was ahead by 7 or 10 points. And it's wrong. It's just as wrong as Vance Joseph or, or whoever, whatever coach not changing their scheme, not changing their strategy. you got to adapt It's the rule with coaching, and it's a rule with being a GM. And Elway hasn't done it. And I don't know if he will. I don't know if he is able to rebuild a team. Now, yes, he rebuilt them back in the day, you know, when he got Peyton Manning. But but really, you know, there was a decent base around him in that first season. Decent. There was a decent defense. Jeez, that defense brought... Tim Tebow to the playoffs, if no one remembers. So the defense was good. They were heading towards great. And that was built by previous GMs. John Elway came in, he brought in Peyton Manning, and the rest is history. And again, great. I'm so glad of that era. It was incredible. But then he never changed. And I think the Broncos are going to rue it. Because I don't think Elway can see the difference. He can't see the change. He can't see, I've got to change my way of thinking. I can't go and put a Band-Aid on a cannonball wound. 
You've got to rebuild. You've got to make new talent. You have to put your team behind a rookie quarterback or a young quarterback because you know who Joe Flacco is, and it's not a Super Bowl caliber quarterback. Period. And so what do they have to do now? I don't know. I mean, John Elway should be on the hot seat. He should. They're going to their third straight losing season. I don't care about his past at this point. Your performance now is what matters in the NFL. That's just, that's how it goes. He's a legend. Great. He's still not performing. He's not putting good product on the field. And that's what matters. Broncos fans aren't going to stand for this crap. They're not. We're not Detroit. We're not Tampa Bay. We're not organizations that are okay with being mediocre forever. This is the Denver freaking Broncos. We don't handle with losing. We don't deal with it. And I don't care if you're the, the, the greatest Bronco of all time. If you don't put winning teams on that field, bye. See ya. And they're going to go to their third straight losing season, which I don't know when that last happened. 1940? <laughs> I mean, the, the, their last two straight losing seasons was in the 1970s, guys. That doesn't happen to this organization. And it's happening now. And the, the, the ownership issue is a mess. I mean, good grief. The, the Bolin sisters are, are, are suing their, their stepsister on her birthday. Classy, really classy, or at least that's when it came to public. I don't know if that's when they actually sued her, but it came public on that day. It's not a good look. They're a mess. No one knows who the ownership is. The trust is, is a disaster. The lawyer married one of the trustees. I mean, it's it's a totally a it's a joke. And you really think they're going to fire John Elway? No. You, I mean, every level has performance issues right now. God bless Pat Bowen. God bless Mr. Bowen. Even when he was still alive, even if he wasn't in his you know totally in his right mind, there was still something there. You knew he was there. And now that he's gone, I I, I think it brings a whole another level of of chaos. And I don't know how they get out of it. Honestly, honestly, I think the only way they get out of it is if Drew Locke is special. That's it. I mean, or unless maybe they, they win three games and get the, the second pick and draft Tua. It's possible now. I, I'm not kidding. I mean, you, you don't have a whole lot of teams right now that look worse than the Denver Broncos. You don't. Miami, yes. Cincinnati, yes. You know how... Cincinnati, you know, yeah, they're 0-2, but they almost beat Seattle. Seattle. The Broncos just lost to Oakland in Chicago with Trubisky. It's not looking good, guys. And I can handle that this year. But where are they going? Where is the future of this team? I had hope that they were going to... That they signed Joe Flacco really to a one-year and they could cut him next year. Just gone bye-bye. And I was okay with that. That was actually when I shifted my feelings towards the tall quarterback, Flacco. That was when I was like, okay, okay, one year, Band-Aid, I'm fine with that. that that's all right. You, you know, Locke can learn behind him. He can practice. He can grow, et cetera, et cetera. And then the front office went and restructured his deal, which means that they can't cut him for free anymore, which means pretty much John Elway saying, this is our plan A. Joe Flacco is our plan A, Denver Broncos fans. That is John Elway's plan A, Joe Flacco, who is now 0-2 as a Denver Bronco and is not good. I don't even have adjectives anymore for Joe Flacco. 
Oh, guys. I mean, what, what, what? I, I'm so trying to find optimism for this season. I don't want to be a pessimist. And every single week, I'm going to go into every single week thinking it's going to be a win and hoping it's a win. There is talent on this team. I'm not giving up on Vic Fangio. I'm not. I think Fangio could be good. I don't know. He's a rookie quarter or a rookie head coach. I don't know yet. He's had tons of proof of his defensive prowess through, what, 40 years. I'm not giving up on Vic Fangio. I'm almost giving up on the talent. They're not good enough to win now, and I don't see John Elway's strategy changing at all. Since Peyton Manning, really since Tim Tebow, Elway's only plan is to draft tall quarterbacks and when they don't work out, bring in aged veteran quarterbacks. Now, it worked with, with Peyton Manning, and, well, it didn't with Case Keenum, and it likely won't with Joe Flacco. It's not good enough. We, we, we can't be happy with this. One losing season, sure. Two losing seasons, eh. three losing seasons, no. Especially when, you, when you've got a, a mediocre quarterback who's supposed to be the future, I guess. I mean, if the Broncos had some young guy, if they had Kyler Murray, someone like that, Baker Mayfield, and they were still sucking it up. Okay, you know, that's all right because you got a young kid who hopefully will get better. But you got to play him. You got to play him. I mean, how bad were we, you know, ribbing Hugh Jackson when he wasn't playing Mayfield? What's the difference now with playing Joe Flacco? I mean, okay, Drew Locke is hurt. That that's the difference. I get it. Okay, so but when Drew Locke comes back, if if the Broncos are, are two and four or or even three and three, if Joe Flacco remains on the field and the Broncos are two and four and Drew Locke is healthy, John Elway should one hundred percent be fired on that day. Yeah, it's negative. I don't like it either. As I've said, I love John Elway. I always will. But you got to get the job done, bro. You got you to get the job done. You got to win. This is not a winning team. And right now, this is not a winning organization. And that hurts. Denver Broncos fans, next week we have the Green Bay Packers in Green Bay. Packers are 2-0. Um, they beat. They won an ugly game against Chicago in the first week. And then last week, or yesterday I should say, they beat the Minnesota Vikings. And that really surprised me. I, I had the Vikings winning that one. I, I like the Vikings more than I do the Packers. But the Packers defense looks really good. And they've got Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Jones, as a running back, also looks quite good. Devontae Adams is a top three receiver. <laughs> I mean, in what planet do we believe the Broncos can win? Now, sure, every game, either team can win. This is the NFL. But I really see this year as being a year lacking parity. You're going to have three teams or two teams in each division that are just going to own, especially now that Pittsburgh's out. New Orleans is out. Come on. They're done. Without Big Ben and without Drew Brees, bye-bye. And that means in the AFC, 
you've got Kansas City and you got New England. And Baltimore is going to be good. They've been way better than I think they're going to be totally. Now, I like Lamar Jackson. I said that from the start. Go listen to my The Footballologist's podcast. You'll hear I've always liked Lamar Jackson this year. But they've been they've played better than they are, I think. That they're going to come down to earth a little bit. But still, three, two really good teams and one good team. The rest, <laughs> there's no one that scares me. No one. Houston, Indy. LA Chargers are totally banged up and hurt. Pittsburgh's garbage now. Cleveland is way too young. Broncos are missing a chance. Man, they're missing a chance. This was a year that if they had enough talent, they could have at least snuck into the playoffs. Now, do I think they would have beat Kansas City or New England? No. But they, at least they would have had some respectability and made the playoffs. And this year, of course, again, it looks clear that they will be one of the worst teams in the NFL. Now, in the NFC, I think, again, New Orleans is done now. So that that's a big change. And I think that leaves you with the LA Rams. I think it leaves you with the Philadelphia Eagles, who did lose last week to Atlanta. Who Atlanta is going to be an interesting team. They're one of the good teams. Philly just got really banged up, so that may move them down to one of the good teams rather than very good teams. And I think Green Bay really could be a good team, and Minnesota also good. So you have more in the NFC that are going to be really challenging teams, more so than in the AFC, which is just a crap show, besides New England and Kansas City. But Green Bay is really good. I, this, I don't see this being a win. They rarely lose at home. Aaron Rodgers is really good in Green Bay. Broncos are just not a good team right now. I just want to see even a loss. A loss is a loss. The season's lost. So go go play with fire, man. Go go hit someone. Go not you know grab someone's necklace and rip it off. That was my that was what I wanted to see in this game and I didn't see it. I haven't seen it for 2 weeks. The offense has some emotion and I've seen it. I think Lindsey and Sanders bring that. The defense I have not seen it. Von Miller is supposed to be one of the top 50 top 10 players in the NFL. He, I don't see it. Is he hurt? Is he is he mad? I mean, what the heck? Is it the scheme? I don't know. Don't see this as a win. I see this as a loss. And, well, that's, that's all I've got for you, folks. I'm going to end this half of the show with a short little story rant from um, Dave. I haven't actually given this a listen yet before I'm teasing it right now because I've been too busy. Um, but Dave Ellis is going to give us a little bit of a short, uh, I think it's going to be a reaction to the Broncos starts into their game yesterday. And then after Dave, we're going to, and, and no skipper due today, by the way, sorry, he's on vacation. So fortunate for him, he doesn't have to respond to this ugliness of, of a start for the team. Um, after Dave, I'm going to start the second half of the show the show that I call The Footballogists, which simply is betting every spread, every excuse me, every game against the spread. So again, for those who don't know what that means, it's pretty much saying you're, you're not just doing a pick em. I'm not just saying Green Bay over the Broncos. Vegas goes and they put a certain point amount that they, they predict the team to win by. So I think Green Bay right now is favored at six and a half, which means if Green Bay wins by seven or more, then whoever picked Green Bay wins. If they win by six or less, or if the Broncos win, then anyone who picked Denver wins. So it's obviously a much, much, much harder bet than pick them, um, which makes it more fun in my opinion. 
and it's something that, that I've done with some of my friends. You can see the spreadsheets published over at milehighreport.com. I believe that's Wednesday mornings. Uh, Tim Lynch publishes that and also gives his own picks. Um, this year so far, we've actually been pretty good. We haven't been great, but we've been we've been good, I would say. Um, as the skipper dude would say, we would be making money if we were in Vegas right now, which is, hey, that's that's absolutely what you want. Um, aside from that, uh, my brother Dom, I have to give a shout out. He is 20 and 10 betting against the spread these first two weeks, which is really, really good. So definitely tune in, watch that, um, uh, check out that article on Wednesdays from Tim Lynch on milehighreport.com. And of course, again, stay with me for the next half of the show, which will be about betting the spread and then a little bit about daily fantasy where I'll pick my favorite team um, for daily fantasy for week three. But up next, Dave Ellis. Hey, Kevin. Dave Ellis from Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Proud Broncos fan of 22 years. Coming back with some more thoughts from the North. So, my main thing this week, um, I had to wait a little while to record this because you want it to be family-friendly. And after that game last night, I don't know if I could have done that right afterwards. So I had to wait until this morning to record. Garrett Bowles. I've been a huge supporter of him. I've been a big believer of him. I have his jersey hanging in my closet. And it's probably going to stay there. We need to get rid of this guy. I hate to say it. But I'm I'm over him completely. The fact that he every big play we had coming back with the holding and six times this game, that's terrible. And then for him to come out and say that he doesn't agree with the calls, you can see the look on his face that he didn't understand that he was holding. You would think after playing in college and playing in the NFL for a few years that you would understand that having your hands on the outside of shoulder pads is holding. You have to get your hands inside to make a clean block, and he obviously doesn't understand that. Maybe Mike Munchak knows that that's uh, something that gets taught in Pop Warner and assumes that Garrett Bowles understands that. But maybe Munchak needs to go over that with him again because obviously Garrett Bowles does not understand that when your hands get outside the shoulder pads, that's holding, and it's costing us 10 yards every single time. Honestly, I thought our offense looked pretty good considering um, Flacco's moving the ball when he has time. The throws are accurate for the most part. Philip Lindsay's spark plug back there running wild when he gets his openings, makes his own openings. Uh, Royce Freeman looks good, looks strong running the ball. We just really need to get the penalties under control. Defensively, another game with no sacks, no turnovers. Um, that's going to hurt a lot if we can't figure this out. I think as Broncos fans, we were all super excited for Fangio to come in and run this new defense because it was going to give us more opportunity for sacks and turnovers. And Well, I don't think it can get much worse than what we've had sack and turnover-wise so far. Um, one thing I wanted, I was thinking about last night was kind of some decisions that we've made the past few years and how they've affected the team. Mostly draft decisions. Uh, obviously Garrett Bowles, but then even Nick Chubb, uh, I know he 
he's a physical freak and everything else, and he looks great, but that year I was really big on Quentin Nelson. I was hoping we were going to grab him in the draft, and if you watch him in Indianapolis, he that dude's an animal, arguably the top guard in the NFL. If not, he's behind like only Zach Martin, and if we would have grabbed him, then we would have had the opportunity for Risner to play left tackle if we still went ahead and drafted him, right? And then Bulls could go back and just be a swing tackle, a guy that comes in and plays if Risner goes down or Juwan James is down, whatever. Um, then even this year when we drafted Noah Fant in the first round, I know people are excited about him, but... Is he that big of a game changer? Is he Has he done that much more than what Jeff Hireman's been able to do since he's been healthy this year? I don't know. I don't know if he was worth the top 20 pick and trading down from 10. Uh, I haven't watched a lot of Steelers football. Um, that first game was boring. And then they played at the same time as the Broncos this week, I believe. So, or no, they didn't. Sorry. Uh, I just... My wife's a Cowboys fan. I was watching the Cowboys game with her. So I didn't get to watch the Steelers game this week. But I, I'm thinking Devin Bush at 10 might have been the right decision instead of trading down and ultimately drafting Noah Fant. Our run defense outside of the 20 has looked bad again. And I get Todd Davis is hurt. But is he? I was never really big on Todd Davis. So I don't know if him coming back is going to make a major difference in our run game, but something needs to happen there because teams are just marching the ball down the field. Like, yeah, we tighten up when they get close, but when our offense moves backwards because of penalties and we're struggling to get field goals, never mind touchdowns, allowing teams to get into scoring range on every drive almost is going to ultimately hurt us. And let's be honest, it was Mitch Trubisky this week, so that offense shouldn't be putting up too many more points than they actually did on us. And keeping going with decisions, uh, even week one, Rich Gangarello got really cute, I guess, and we called a tight end reverse on the opening play of the season. I don't know what the thought process there was, but it didn't work at all. I'm glad he kind of got things sorted out second half and we were able to move the ball a bit more like I said I think offense looked better this week so hopefully we keep improving there going forward but we have to get something figured out with with Garrett Bowles maybe we try Elijah Wilkinson there when Juwan James comes back maybe we move some capital and get um Williams from Washington do what we got to do and bring him in and let him start there but when we're having big plays called back and moving back 10 yards regularly because of holding. We're not going to be able to do anything this year. And we'll be ended up with another top five, top 10 draft pick. It's unfortunate. But that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, positively, Cortland Sutton looks good. Looks like he's taken that step this year. I would have liked to see more of Juwan Winfrey this week. I don't know what's going on with him, why he's not dressing. But with Tim Patrick... Being out, I would have liked to see Winfrey dress and see what that kid can do. I've got a lot of faith in him. 
but at least Cortland Sutton looks good, so I don't know. I'm not in the best of moods right now after the highs and lows of that last game, so I guess we're on to Green Bay, and uh, we'll see what happens this week. Thanks, Kev. Big thanks to Dave. Um, I think he echoed many of my feelings on the game. Obviously disappointed and not a whole lot of reason to be optimistic this season at all. Um, I do want to say that anyone who wants to do a fan rant like Dave just did, I do like sharing this platform. I like having you on. I like hearing your thoughts. Um, Please send me a a, uh, DM on Twitter or follow me on Twitter, of course. That's at Kevy. Gillikin, K-E-V-V-Y-G-I-L-L-I-K-I-N. The only rules are it's got to be family-friendly, and it just has to be some audio format between 1 and 10 minutes long. Other than that, talk about whatever you want. It doesn't have to be pessimistic. You can talk about your favorite Broncos, your favorite experiences, whatever whatever you want. I'm totally cool with it. I like running with it. And um, I really like having other people on. So send me, um, yeah, hit me up. Okay, next part of the show, new show, Footballologists, that's what we call it. This is where we go a little bit into the psychology of things. We start looking at games and betting games uh, by how we think, you know, things are going to work out, mainly trying to base things on the human element. That's my way of approaching it. I like looking at teams that are, you know, having coaching issues or drama issues in the locker room, injuries, etc. Um, now, that being said, I haven't been all that great so far in my bets. Um, let me see if I can pull this up. So far, I am 16 and 14. So I'm over 50%, which is actually decent, or 16, 14, and 1, I should say. I do have one push in there. Um, it's actually not bad. Um, there are only two people in our group actually that are under 50%, which I think is actually pretty awesome. Um, that would be Luke Short and Taylor Koth from over at milehighreport.com. So I got to give Taylor a little bit of crap if he's listening to this. You know, pick it up, bro. You're, you're one of the experts, man. Uh, betting the spread is really not an easy thing. Uh, again, it's not just betting each team, you have to bet it and pick the points. Um, for example, this last week, I bet Denver to cover, which they did. Denver obviously lost. The spread, though, was Chicago by two and a half points. Now Chicago won by two points. So Denver wins the spread. So betting the spread can be really, really infuriating and really, really hard. But so far, we've done quite well. We're actually betting at 58.1%, which is um, quite good. Uh, as the skipper dude would say, it would win money in Vegas. The bad news is our favorite picks have not been great. Um, I'm still trying to see. We haven't gotten our, our top picks in yet for this week as a group, but I only got one of my top picks. We have three top picks, which we're saying are the the best bets of the week. I only got one out of three, which is really not good. Um, otherwise, I had a decent week. Um, no games that really shocked me. Houston didn't quite pull it off. Um, they had a really big... I shouldn't say they didn't quite. They didn't come close. They, they really should have lost that game. Um, and Houston had a line of 9.5 or a spread of 9.5. And, 
Anyway, the betting was solid. Dom Gillikin has to take the credit. He is 20-10-1 right now, which is really good. So I really hope that by the end of the show, I'll get some audio from him. I hope to get some from the other guys who are on this show. I don't know yet. I haven't gotten anything yet. But if I do, I will plug it in at the end of the show, and you will hear who they're betting for Week 3 and why they are betting for those teams in Week 3. Now, Week 3 is pretty interesting. By the time I had started the show, there was no um, line for Pittsburgh or New Orleans. Um, My line for the Denver Broncos, which I am getting from Bovada, is the Green Bay Packers favored by 8 points. So 8 points for the Green Bay Packers at home. Um, the money line we won't go into because we don't cover that. The over-under is at 43.5 points. So the 43.5, you bet the over, and they go 44, you win. Pretty simple. So far, we haven't been betting the over-unders, but it's good to know anyway. So that's from Bovada. Um, the rest of our picks, besides the Denver picks, are coming in from, from Westgate. Uh, I have some issues picking... Uh, the spreads because my my location here in Germany doesn't allow me to access all of the betting websites. So thanks a lot for that, uh, German regulations. Okay, so let's just start. I'm going to tell you the game, the spread, and who I'm picking to win and why I'm picking them to win it. Now, I might also say who Dom has because Dom has been the hot hand. So um, he deserves a little bit of that respect and a little bit of that shout out. So here we go. First up, we got Tennessee at Jacksonville. Tennessee is favored by two and a half points going into Jacksonville. Jacksonville obviously lost their quarterback, Nick Foles, to an injury like in the first five minutes, I think, of the first game. Um, Gardner Minshew may be one of the best stories in football. He's hilarious. Um, everything that comes from him, I think, is funny and good, <laughs> but he's not a great quarterback. This is a good Tennessee defense. They've, they've really shown they can ball. I think they got a good running game. They got a decent coach. They got a good defense. I don't love Mariota, um, but I think they're the better team here. I know it's in Jacksonville, but there's a lot going on in Jacksonville. Um, you see these guys fighting with their coach, like almost getting into physical altercations on the sideline during a game. That's a serious issue. I think Doug Marone is going to be the first coach that's fired. He he went for two at the end of the game and and didn't get it, or <laughs> at least they didn't call it a touchdown with Leonard Fournette. Um, I just think this is a team that's, that's trending in the wrong direction. Their defense looked better on Sunday and Minshew was good, but I just, I don't know. I think Tennessee is a slightly better team here and I think that they're going to go into Jacksonville and, and win. Dom also has Tennessee as a win, uh, Skipper dude as well. Luke Short's got Jacksonville right now. Cincinnati goes to Buffalo, Buffalo favored by six, um, which means again, if they win by a touchdown or more, then I win the bet by picking Buffalo. I do have Buffalo. I think Buffalo is a good team. I've said from the beginning of the year that I think that they are going to be a team that, that's going to not challenge the Patriots for a for a you know division win, but they're going to challenge them just in terms of pushing them a little bit. They're going to be a good, solid team. And honestly, the way that the AFC is shaping up with Ben Roethlisberger out for the year, etc., I think that Buffalo could actually be a wild card team in 2019. So I have them as a win. This is actually at the moment, one of my locks. I have this as one of my favorite bets of the week, Buffalo at home against Cincinnati, Cincinnati. They put up a fight against Seattle, but they're just not a good team. I mean, they have such a weak defense. They don't really, you know, Mixon is, is always hurt. 
Um, not a team that, that inspires me with any confidence whatsoever. I've got Buffalo, and I like it a lot. Detroit at Philadelphia. Philadelphia getting seven and a half points. Philadelphia just lost their two starting receivers, and and I believe someone an important player on defense. Now now I'm forgetting, you know, of course, when I need to remember. But they had a really rough week when it came to injuries last week. Detroit is a team that really they play hard, they fight hard, uh, they make mistakes, but they've got talent. I, I like Galladay. I like TJ Hawkinson. Um, I like their running back. Uh, I, they're a team that can really, they can they can play with every single team they go up against. Now, I don't know if they're going to win, but seven and a half is a really big line. I, I don't like that at all. Philadelphia is banged up. I think that they're a good team, maybe a really good team, but I think this is going to be closer than people think. I don't think Detroit wins, but I think they keep it within a touchdown. That is actually right now also one of my locks. Now, these might change. I have to submit these actually by Tuesday afternoon. Thus, I don't have all of the bets in from all of my friends. Um, but since the podcast has to go out Thursday, or excuse me, Tuesday at 3 a.m., obviously I have to get them done now. So right now, Buffalo and Detroit are two of my lock picks for week three. New York Jets at New England. New England favored by 17 and a half points. That's a lot, um, but the Jets have Trevor Simeon playing quarterback, and New England has Tom Brady. Now, I don't see any reason in the world why the Jets could win this. It's in New England. Patriots are freakishly good. 17 and a half is a huge line. This is one I might change depending on if, uh, depending on how the game goes tonight between the Jets and Cleveland. If, if the Jets look like they have any semblance of hope or, or talent, then I might change this to the Jets. But right now, I've got New England. And again, I can change this bet by tomorrow night. But right now, I've got New England by 17 and a half. That, that's, that is a huge, huge, huge line. And I think I might change that one. But for now, I've got New England. All right, next up, Oakland at Minnesota. Minnesota getting seven and a half points, but it's at home. Um, they're a good team. Honestly, they're as good as Kirk Cousins is going to be. Unfortunately, he is on one of my fantasy teams in a two quarterback league and there are really no quarterbacks available because some teams are jerks and they hog all the quarterbacks um anyway he's not good he made some just unbelievably bad decisions on Sunday but this is a good team I mean I love Dalvin Cook I love their receivers I really like their defense I like their coach and if Kirk Cousins can just not be an idiot then they should win this and win it going away Oakland is an improved team but they're just not there yet Baltimore at Kansas City. Kansas City getting six and a half right now. Baltimore has been really hot, um, but I do think they're being overrated. I think they've they've played against some teams that are just not good at all. So people are just absolutely in love with Lamar Jackson, which again, I like him a lot, but they're going to overrate them because of the two teams that the, the Ravens have faced. This is a game that's in Kansas City, and Kansas City it's just, they're so good. Their, their offense is so killer good. Patrick Mahomes just, he, he's he's like a video game. I mean, it's just, what do you have? 420 yards, four touchdowns or something like that on Sunday. I mean, the guy is a freak of nature. I mean, I don't see him slowing down. Even though Baltimore has a decent defense, they're going to, I think they could get absolutely shellacked. I think Baltimore is just in for a game where they're going to, they're going to see that the two teams they played were just really terrible. And I think, I think they're going to get absolutely destroyed by Kansas City. So Kansas City is actually a lock for me. Six and a half. I think Kansas City wins by a touchdown and probably a lot more. All right, Atlanta at Indianapolis. Indy is favored by three at home. Um, I like both of these teams, but Indy just, I, I, I'm not a big time 
Jacoby Brissett fan. He's got to prove it to me before I really start betting on him. And Atlanta does have a quarterback I like. He threw three picks on Sunday, but ended up pulling out a win. And that's enough for me. It is on the road. It's in Indy, but it's at a, a in a in a enclosed stadium, which I think is obviously an advantage for Matt Ryan in this high-powered um, Atlanta offense, which I think will end up being key in Indianapolis. And I think Atlanta can even pull off that win. So I've got Atlanta. Actually, everyone right now has Atlanta picked. Four picks for Atlanta in that game. So let's hope Atlanta wins that one, or as a group, we're going to be in trouble. Okay, right now, Denver at Green Bay. Green Bay favored by seven. Um, right now, I'm the only one with Denver. Everyone else has Green Bay picked. I might change this pick. I didn't want to bet this on pure emotion because I'm upset with the Broncos right now. I do think the Broncos are going to go in and fight hard in Green Bay. I think that they're going to have that fire. They have enough veteran guys. They have a coach who's who's been there, and he's a veteran you know, coordinator at least. I think they're going to come out on fire in Green Bay. I do think Green Bay is obviously more talented, but I think Denver could make it close. I think it's going to be another close game that's within a touch, within a touchdown or field goal either way. And right now, I'm going to I'm going to give it to Denver. I'm going to say I'm going to have one positive thing about the Broncos in this show, and that's going to be that they cover the score um, in Green Bay. Now Westgate's got it at seven, but Bovada has it at eight. We're going to go with seven because the um, spreads for this show or for the the mile high report um article come from westgate at the moment uh next game new york giants at tampa bay uh everyone has tampa bay this might end up being one of my locks i think i might change the detroit game into a tampa bay win the giants are just a bad team um Manning is not going to, I mean, it's, it's Manning. I mean, I don't need to say anything more. He's just not a good quarterback anymore. It might not even be him. It might be Daniel Jones. They've got a terrible, terrible defense. The only thing they have is Saquon Barkley and they seem to not really know how to use him. So no chance here. I think Tampa Bay is on a great team, but their defense has really been underrated. I think they have a really, really good defense and I think they have a good quarter or a good head coach and all they need is a quarterback not to screw it up. So Tampa Bay at six, I think that's a really good spread. Honestly, I'm talking myself into making that a one of my uh, lock picks rather than Detroit over Philadelphia. But for now, I'll stay with Detroit. No, you know what? I'm going to do it now. I'm going to do it now. Now that I'm live, I'm going to I'm going to change it. I, I I am talking myself into this game. I really like Tampa Bay over the Giants. Bet against the really bad teams, and the Giants appear to be one of them. Um, so I will say, yeah, I, I'm I'm going to say that. I'm going to say it's going to be. It's going to be Tampa Bay as a lock over the Giants. No more uh, Detroit. Oh, of course, I just picked the wrong one to unhighlight. <laughs> Buffalo is still a favorite. Okay. Up next, Miami at Dallas. <laughs> Dallas is favored by 20 and a half points. That is insanity. Dallas has been really, really good. They're, they're a team I actually forgot to mention in the NFC that they have been really phenomenal and I keep forgetting about Dallas and I absolutely shouldn't. That is my bad. They have looked phenomenal and look like they're going to be a really good team in 2019. Um, Miami is perhaps the worst team in football history. I think that's barely an exaggeration. Um, they're going to be that bad all year long, but 20 and a half points is a really, really big spread. I just don't, I don't know if I'd bet anyone. Even New England at the Jets, 17 and a half was a real struggle for me. Taylor Koth has the Jets covering that. I might change that bet. A line that big is just, it's not a real smart bet. I think it's just, it's 
20 points is huge. Now, it's definitely possible. Miami's terrible. Dallas is good. But you never know. Miami, they held New England to, to what, I think, six points for the first quarter and a half or something like that. So they can, crazy things can happen, and I, I don't love this 20 and a half. But so right now, I've got Miami. Another thing, I might change it, but I, I think I'm going to stick with Miami there. I think it's too big of a line. Dallas absolutely wins, but I don't know about covering 20 and a half. I'll pick Miami for the cover. Um, Arizona at home against Carolina. Carolina getting three and a half points as favorites in Arizona. I just don't know what to think about this. I, I This is rough because I have uh, Christian McCaffrey in like every single fantasy league. He is my boy. He's the guy I love. Every time I got first pick or any time I could, I picked Christian McCaffrey. I think he's a freakish talent and, and a guy who just changes teams. But now the problem is that when his quarterback is terrible, everyone just stacks the line against him. Um, so that being the case, um, you know, it's, ah, it's, it's a hard pick. I, I really don't like this game at all. I don't like betting this game, but I just think that Cam Newton looks done. I, I called this before. I called this before the season that Cam Newton would retire by the end of 2019. And I'm sticking with it. I really think he's going to be the next Andrew Luck. He's just banged up. The guy doesn't look like he likes playing anymore. Um, and I don't blame him. He, he's so beat up. He's so been hammered down. His body's just falling apart on him. And un, unfortunately, it really is truly. He, he was, he was one of the best talents in football. No question about it. He just got too, too banged around. And unfortunately, I think he's going to be done sooner rather than later. So in the end, I'm going to pick Arizona to cover the three and a half points and perhaps even to win at home. Pittsburgh at San Fran and New Orleans at Seattle. As at the time I record the show, they have no lines because Pittsburgh, I think by the time uh, these will be updated probably fairly soon, but right now no one knows if, if um, Breeze or Roethlisberger are going to play. They're not going to play. They're both hurt for a significant amount of time, which obviously destroys both, both teams two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Um, so I can't bet those right now. My guess is that it's going to be San Francisco by by three um, at home. And I'll probably pick San Francisco. Uh, Pittsburgh is just a, a disaster. Roethlisberger's done for the year. James Conner looks like he's seriously hurt. I, so I think San Fran I'll pick unless it's too big of a line. Uh, then New Orleans at Seattle. Yeah, Again, everyone's picking Seattle already, even though there's no line. They're the same issue right now. I think... I'll probably pick Seattle, even though I don't love Seattle. They're at home and New Orleans without Drew Brees. Teddy Bridgewater is just, I like the guy, but he doesn't look like he he ever got back to being himself after that injury. Okay, so the next real game we can bet, Houston at LA. The Chargers are favored by three. Uh, this is split right now by the guys who have picked. Um, Dom's got Houston. I've got Houston. And Taylor Koth has a lock for Houston. Um, the chargers are really banged up. They just, they lose like two players per game. I like the chargers. I like Phillip rivers. I, in terms of betting, I'm a Broncos fan, so I don't actually like them, <laughs> but in terms of betting, I, I've liked them this year, but they just, they're always hurt. They, they don't have a left tackle. They don't have their safety. They just lost their, um, I think their middle linebacker. Um, they're, they're just so banged up. And I think that Houston is still a team that's on the rise. They, they got pretty lucky with the win. And pretty unlucky with the, the first week loss. So, but I think they're a talented team that's going to going to take this one on the road in LA, where I mean it's not really a home game anyway for the Chargers. All right, two more games: uh, the LA Rams against Cleveland at Cleveland. Um, 
this is tough. Uh, and I see that the Taylor has a TBD for this. And I think that's a smart bet because we really want to see what they do against the jets. Um, ah, I don't, ah, this is a hard one. I, I think I might be the same right now. I've got Cleveland. We'll see what they do tonight. Let's see what they do tonight before we really bet this. But for now, I'll say Cleveland. I like the Rams, but Cleveland at home, if they can really beat up on the Jets, then I'll give them a little bit of uh, a little bit of love and and say that they will uh, pull it off at home. Chicago at Washington is the final game. Now this is Chicago by six and a half. This is a crazy line to me. This is a bizarre bet. Now, interestingly enough, who's on the end here? Dom. Okay, Dom has Chicago. Interesting. And excuse me, Dom has the LA Chargers. I, I had I was I was too far over on our spreadsheet. Dom has the Chargers. Okay, he has the Chargers and he's got Chicago on the road covering six and a half points. That's a really big line for me. I mean, Trubisky versus Keenum, that's a wash. The Washington defense has been and eh, they haven't been great, but they've been okay. I, I totally this is a home dog. A home dog by six and a half points against Chicago with a quarterback who who's terrible. No, no way. I, I love Washington here. Taylor Koth has Washington as a as a lock, and everyone else has Washington except for Dom, who has Chicago as a lock. You know, hey, Dom is twenty and ten, so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. But no, I'm not. I'm not going to change my pick. I love Washington here. Another game I might possibly change to to one of my favorites because the home dog and the home dog getting six and a half points. That's that's always a good bet. So possibly one I change to. Either way, um, I'm going with Washington. Okay, that's all I've got to talk about for that segment of the show. Uh, again, you can find that on milehighreport.com on Thursday, published by Tim Lynch. Or excuse me, I think, was that Thursday or Wednesday? It may be Wednesday. Keep an eye out for it at milehighreport.com. Um, yeah, okay, I'm getting distracted. I'm, I'm getting distracted with my fantasy lineup right now. I'm going to quickly go over the daily fantasy. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm kind of rushing through now because it's getting late. I already recorded, as I said, 45 minutes and it got deleted, so I had to start over. Uh, it's turning into a bit of a long night for me. Quickly through the lineup that I have, uh, I got Dak Prescott for, for 6500 He's a really good bet because he's playing against Miami, and he's not that expensive. So I think that's an absolute no-brainer. He's been unbelievable. Maybe one, He's one of the top MVP candidates through two games, so no-brainer for me. He, the guy's going to just score bucket loads uh Alvin Kamara now this is a bit of an iffy one because they're obviously going to be you know looking at the run more and more now that um that Drew Brees is hurt so this is a little questionable but I think that he's going to get the rock a lot and I think that that Bridgewater will be good enough that Kamara is going to go off as well he's just he's just that talented now this is kind of an iffy one this is one that is a big it's a big gamble, um, but I like Miles Sanders at Philadelphia. I think he's slowly separating himself as being the top back in Philadelphia. They've got a bunch of hurt receivers. I think he's going to get a lot of touches, even possibly some passes out of the backfield. Now, he is really cheap, and he's not projected to get many points, but I think he's a guy who could win you some leagues if you pick him up. Kenny Galladay up next. He is at Philadelphia. They've not been great on defense. Galladay is really showing that he's that big body receiver who can get a touchdown each week. He really has that type of ability to, to even put up 100 yards, but but really a, a, a uh, red zone threat. So I really like Galladay. Uh, Josh Gordon, I'm just picking a, a New England receiver every week. This week, I like Josh Gordon. You could pick Antonio Brown. I just don't like picking Antonio Brown because you never know if he's going to be suspended every day. So that worries me. 
if you're okay with him, then yeah, go with Brown. That's fine. Uh, I always like putting a, a Denver Bronco because I'm a Denver Bronco fan. Emmanuel Sanders is the guy until he's not. I mean, I picked Lindsey last week and he really didn't perform. So I'm going to go Sanders again. He's against Green Bay. I think he he's he really has flashed. He's he's back to full form, maybe even better than he was before. So Sanders, I really like against Green Bay. Eric Ebron in Indy against Atlanta. This is going to be a total shootout, and I, I can see Ebron going crazy in this game. I can see him scoring a couple touchdowns. Love Eric Ebron, and he's cheap. My flex is Dalvin Cook, so you could say he's a running back. Miles Sanders is a flex, whatever you want. Dalvin Cook, um, he's my guy. He, he really is a guy I've been writing every game, and he's put up points every game. He, he He's great in that system. He's a super talented running back, and I think he could be the best running back in football this year. One of the top five, absolutely. Uh, the Buccaneers are playing at home against the Giants. Need I say more? The Giants' offense is brutal. If they can just stop Saquon Barkley a little, and they're a really, really talented defense that I like a lot and have shown that they are very underrated here in 2019. Okay, that's all I've got for you. I hope that I'll have a couple audio bits from the guys to put on the end of the show. They will predict their picks, um, and they'll maybe talk about last week. I don't know what they want to talk about. Either way, whatever they want, I hope they'll send me some audio, and I'll put it on at the end of the show. If not, well, you're going to end with me. Um, Either way, you guys take care and I'll see you next week for another edition of the Broncos and Bratwurst podcast. What up, Eric, the caveman coming at you with week three picks against the spread. Starting off, Tennessee at Jacksonville. Tennessee is favored by two and a half, but I think Jacksonville will win this at home. So give me Jacksonville for that one. Cincinnati at Buffalo. Cincy is absolutely terrible. Uh, Buffalo is favored by six, but they will cover at home. I have no doubt. That is one of my three locks for the week. Detroit at Philadelphia. Picking Philly to win this, but 7.5 is a big spread, so I have to go with the Lions. I think they will prevent Philly from covering. New York Jets at New England. (sighs) The line is 17.5. And I know New England's been blowing teams out by a lot more than 17.5, but I'm going to hang my hat on this being a divisional game, which are always much closer and much more drawn out than we think they should be. And before you go into it, Miami doesn't count. Miami sucks. So I hate to do it. It's really tempting to pick New England, but I have to go New York Jets here given the size of that spread. Oakland at Minnesota. Oakland is not good. And Minnesota is hungry. Just had a tough loss to the Packers in Lambeau, so I think Minnesota will cover. Give me Minnesota for that one. Baltimore at Kansas City. Baltimore has beaten two crappy teams. Kansas City puts up points at will. In Arrowhead, give me the Chiefs to cover. Atlanta at Indianapolis. The Falcons are getting warm, and I'm not really sold on Indy. I'm sorry. I have to take the Falcons here. Denver at Green Bay. The Broncos, unfortunately, are in a tailspin, and I think the Packers in Lambeau will get the job done, so give me Green Bay on that one. New York Giants at Tampa Bay. New York sucks. Give me Tampa Bay all the way. I'm calling that one a lock. Miami at Dallas. 
This is probably the biggest point spread I've ever seen. Dallas is favored by 20 and a half points. Miami might be the worst all team, all time team in the history of the NFL, but I can't pick against a 20 point spread. So I'm going to pick Miami. I hate to say that. Miami over Dallas, not over Dallas. Carolina at Arizona. This one's tough. Um, but the Panthers do not look good. Give me the cards to cover at home. Pittsburgh at San Francisco. No Big Ben, no problem for the 49ers. Give me the 49ers over Pittsburgh. New Orleans at Seattle. Same type of story. No Drew Brees, give me Seattle. Houston at LA Chargers. Uh, Chargers are favored by three at home, and I think they will cover that. So give me the Chargers. The Los Angeles Rams at Cleveland. The Rams are rolling. Uh, I can't pick against them. Give me the Rams. Chicago at Washington. Chicago favored by negative, what, 6.5 at home. Uh, Have to go with Washington. I think they will cover at home. And I don't think Chicago is all that good. So those are the picks from Eric Caveman. Till next week. Bye.